to the J. Kim Show, Hong Kong's first dedicated podcast on investing in Asia. Join us as we survey the land and discover the greatest companies and most profitable investment opportunities in Asia. If this is your first time listening, thank you for stopping by. This podcast is produced every week with the goal of providing actionable insights to you, the listener, with every single episode. And now, on to the show. This week's show guest is Amit Saberwal, the founder and CEO of Red Doors. Red Doors is one of Southeast Asia's leading budget hotel online booking platforms. The company has a presence in Indonesia, Singapore, and the Philippines, and aims to tap into Southeast Asia's 52 billion US dollar travel market. With over 500 properties and servicing over 700,000 stayed room nights thus far in the region. Amit, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you so much, Jay. So uh, for the audience that's uh, listening in and that hasn't heard of, of you or your company, maybe you can give us a little bit of an introduction. Okay. So uh, we're um, uh, in Southeast Asia, as you rightly mentioned. Uh, we're a budget accommodation player. And, and you can think of us as a uh, Marriott for two-star and below kind of hotels. Um, and uh, the other way to look at us is like... A, Uber for these small properties uh, where we do the customer acquisition branding um, and, and, and the, the, the customer service for these small properties. Uh, like the properties have to deliver a level of service which is uh, dictated by our brand standards. Right. Okay. So, uh, and maybe you could give a little bit of personal background as well, some color for our audience. How, you know, where, what was your background? Uh, where are you from? You know, what, what did you, uh, how did you start your career and what led you down this path uh, to become an entrepreneur? Yeah. So I was actually a hotelier by training. And so I went to hotel school and then I had a, a reasonably long career with hotels uh, in India. Um, and in, by 2005, I was, uh, director of sales and marketing for a large boutique uh, hotel chain in India uh, called the Park Hotels, and they ran, you know, design designer design-led hotels uh, uh, designed by people like Hirsch Bedner or uh, Terence Conrad, you know. And then by 2005, I said, okay, this is getting a little boring, and the online travel scene was starting up in India. And I joined a company in the very, very early days called Make My Trip. And Make My Trip uh, is India's leading online travel agency. That time, of course, very, very small company, um, like starting up for the Indian audience. And 2010, we IPO'd on NASDAQ, and it was a billion-dollar IPO. Mm. Uh, and I moved to, uh, to Singapore to look after Southeast Asia expansion for Make My Trip. And then uh, after about eight and a half years, and that was about three years or three and a half years after our IPO, I decided that, okay, now it's now or never moment and I should become an entrepreneur because uh, I'm not getting any younger. And I was actually bored in this uh, now $2 billion enterprise, uh, which had kind of grown from small startup into a large corporation. So I just thought we should relight that fire. So I think a combination of many reasons and I decided to become an entrepreneur and we launched Red Doors in Indonesia in July of 2015. Very interesting. Uh, an interesting story uh, about uh, makemytrip.com. Were you one of the founders there or just front on the founding team, leadership team? Like uh, chief business officer uh, for the company. I wasn't one of the founders. 
I was an early employee. Uh, right. but, uh, you know, I kind of grew with the company. Um, and, uh, uh, I mean, it was an incredible experience. Uh, so by the time I left, I was chief business officer. I joined to run the hotel business for Make My Trip, which I continued to do till I left. That's incredible. So you must have learned a lot during your time there, which probably helped uh, translate over when you became an entrepreneur. So, uh, so, so tell us a little bit about um, how you came up. I mean, you, you told us a little bit about your journey and when you decided to, to jump out to be an entrepreneur. But what was it specifically that made you come up with this concept of Red Doors? And why did you choose Indonesia uh, to launch your, your company? Okay. So actually, I was at a unique position of being a hotelier by training and an online travel agent by profession. Um, and I saw how the online travel agencies really grew. And of course, we built a lot of the business on first principle. But by the time we spent a few years and you know grew, uh, make my trip exponentially, we had figured out that you know, this is science uh, more than art. And we invested heavily in technology, people, product. And of course, the rest is history, as you say. And I found that these smaller properties obviously had a big, big gap in, in this kind of technology play. So we actually started off by saying that, okay, what if we become the technology enabler for these small properties? And that was our starting point. And we said, okay, if the uh, uh, single property or 10 properties can't afford um, either kind of product management or uh, online technology, which uh, say an OTA has, maybe 400 or 500 properties can afford. And let us be that back-end engine which actually drives business into these properties. So that was a starting point. That was the philosophy with which we, which I started Red Door. Actually, as time went by, we figured out one thing very quickly, that um, the properties were still nameless and therefore uh, could have a problem with getting discovered. And so that brand came in and when the brand came in we could actually drive more customers into our red doors branded properties and also make sure that they would repeat uh, because the brand stood for a for a certain set of uh, uh, values and um, we told indonesia it was because it was one of the most exciting large uh, markets in southeast asia and also because it was uh, it has a heavily um, um, or a very, very robust domestic travel ecosystem. Ah. What we decided to do that we should uh, focus on, on, on uh, Indonesia. And I think that was the right decision which we took. Yeah, so I think uh, for those uh, in the audience that aren't familiar, you know, Indonesia is one of the, the fastest and largest economies and fastest growing and largest economies in Southeast Asia. Um, and what I didn't know, Amit, was what you just mentioned, that there was a large uh, domestic travel market there uh, when you talked about properties there you talked about individual properties does that mean like a single hotel or does that actually mean like um, like a house or a, you know um, like a bed and breakfast type uh, setup yeah so actually these are commercially run small hotels so you need to look at them like you know uh, motel six in the United States or or thereabouts. Um, and and uh, uh, these are not Airbnb kind of accommodation. That means one person, one unit or one apartment. These are like commercially run establishments with between 20 and 90 rooms. So these are hotels, but they are just that they are budget hotels. I see. 
And were these hotels, for the most part, uh, profitable on their own? Yes, they were. They were profitable in a way that, uh, you know, the, the, the property owners were running them. Uh, occupancy was about 50-odd percent. Um, and you know, mostly family-owned, um, you know, it's, it's paid-off, inherited kind of properties. So while, while profit was... Uh, a definite a, a incentive for property owners, but it wasn't that you know they were mortgaging the houses if they weren't making a lot of money. So the property was doing okay, we're doing well, uh, uh, and and you know different properties were in different stages. But what we managed to do was when the properties joined the Red Rose Network, the average occupancy for our say Jakarta properties is eighty six percent. So so we kind of bump up the occupancies, wow. um, and. Uh, and and the property owners start earning a lot more a money, and we they are they are happy to be part of a large network or a brand which is now very well recognized in the market. Um, and so again, it's like a bit of a, like a franchising model mm-hmm. um, in a way, um, except that our DNA is DNA is technology. So we think like a technology company. We execute like a technology company. But our enabler for growth is real estate, and in real estate is hotels and guest houses. Right. That's how we kind of. Um, you know, a lot of people can understand this very clearly. If we uh, draw a parallel to Uber, that means that Uber uh, makes sure that the customer, the, the the property or the or the asset owner, car owner in that case, gets uh, customers. They do customer service. They vouch for the quality of their service. Um, gives them an incentive, but Uber doesn't drive the car, right? The property owner drives the car. That's the right. premise of our business. Though there are various permutations, combinations, but that is a fundamental premise. I see. Okay, so that makes it much more clear now, uh, the Uber model, basically. So tell us a little bit, uh, Amit, about um, the onboarding process. Uh, how do you select properties to come uh, onto the Red Doors uh, umbrella? What are the criteria? Um, what are the economics like? Is there certain uh, changes that need to be made fundamental to how Red Door uh, presents themselves as far as the actual property goes and the branding and this sort of thing? Yeah, sure. So I think, um, of course, this has evolved over a period of time. But I will tell you what the current state is right now. Uh, mm-hmm. One is that we have a very, very good demand forecasting engine. So what we do is we first forecast demand in a particular area. In a place like, say, some cities in Indonesia or Manila in, in the Philippines or Singapore, we break down the demand into a per square kilometer basis. That means that we would continue to add properties in a square kilometer till the demand is saturated for our kind of property. So it's kind of it's quite possible that in the mature city, in one square kilometer, there are four red doors or even five for that matter. And and therefore we think a little bit like an airline. It means we first uh, forecast demand and then we scout for a property and then we tie up with that property. So. Typical property process would be, yeah, of course, you know, you know, scout the property which is kind of fits our bill, uh, which is which is good physically but not doing outstandingly well. Uh, so it's in the kind of shoulder kind of you know uh, mm-hmm. uh, kind of a property somewhere in the middle, and have a commercial arrangement with the property. We explain the concept to them. Of course, now there's a lot of incoming interest, but initially it was you know much tougher. 
But once they decide to come on board as Red Doors, then there is a huge sign outside which says Red Doors. All the rooms are branded as Red Doors. All the toiletries, Red Doors. The hotspot in the property, the Wi-Fi hotspot is, is the Red Doors hotspot. And, and so it's like any other hotel with, with the, I think the fundamental difference there also being that our brand promise to our customers is that you will get you know, a clean room, a clean bathroom, um, absolutely spotless linen, free Wi-Fi, which is good quality, which is controlled by us. You'll get mineral water to drink, which might not be a big deal in many developed countries, but in, in some countries is an essential thing. Um, and you'll get four-star quality branded toiletries of Red Dot. So the brand promise is simple, uh, but clean. And you will get it at a price which is like between 20 and $30 a night. So it's very, very good value for money. So, so what happens is that um, customers, once they experience that Red Doors brand experience, and mind you, we don't promise the Ritz. Um, and we don't promise, but we promise a good night's sleep at a, at a, at a reasonable price. And customers like that, mm-hmm. they keep coming back to us again and again. You'll be surprised at our repeat rates. They're absolutely phenomenal. Um, and 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 so 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 the properties are then kind of onboarded as red doors after uh, a training program or three training program modules are delivered to uh, the, the the property staff. And then thereafter onwards, there is a, an ongoing uh, check which happens um, where we can control the, the the quality of service through uh, set guardrails and a system which is tracking all the behavior which a property um, staff is supposed to do and overlaps it with the reviews which are coming from the from the property uh, from the guests who are checking out of the property and gives merit and demerit points to a particular property and so what happens is that within within a few weeks we get to know where what all improvements are required at the property or whether a good property is is starting to deliver bad service and then our property um, operation team actually goes and intervenes at that property to make sure the service standards come right back up so we don't actually um, deliver the service like uber doesn't hire the drivers to deliver the service but um, we make sure that the service delivery quality is kept under check right that's an important that's an important aspect of it i mean especially because you want all all anything under the red doors brand needs to be of at least similar um quality so a thing that you mentioned earlier i mean is basically you know i mean like you said like uh free wi-fi i think a lot of us take it for granted in in developed uh countries um mineral water something as simple as clean water and clean sheets and you know and toiletries. I mean, these are all things, uh, basic uh, essentials that we take for granted. But um, for a lot of people that haven't traveled uh, to, um, you know, more emerging type markets, they don't actually realize how difficult it is to get a reasonably priced hotel that actually provides all this stuff. So the price point that you talked about, that's $30 US, was it? Um, Yeah, that's that's extremely, extremely, um, uh, you know, economical. And uh, usually what I find is that when I travel to uh, some of the more emerging uh, cities in Southeast Asia, um, the capital city will have one or two sort of five star type hotel room. uh, And that's where everyone, all the sort of business travelers and tourists will just go to those because that's the only option that they really have. And then there's a huge drop off 
in quality and everything else uh, after that. So it sounds like Red Doors trying to close that. Uh, Red Doors is trying to close that gap. You say that you provide, uh, you know, like the, the Wi-Fi hotspot and and the linens and this sort of thing. So is that the franchising model then? Now is the, does the hotel pay a franchising fee to Red Doors? The linen quality is uh, um, is dictated by us. The property owner buys that linen. The hotspot vendor is. Uh, controlled by us the hotspot delivery happens by us but the daily bill is paid uh, or the monthly bill is paid by the property owner so it's 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 um, it's it's that kind of model they have these guardrails but uh, eventual whatever happens in the property and the payment for whatever happened in the property is paid by the property owner with the exception of our signage which is uh, our branding outside the property which is something which we are very particular about and uh, it is something which we want to pay because we can control the quality across various sites. That's the only thing we actually really invest in a property. Apart from that, it's only technology, know-how, training, and, and similar soft things. I see. And then as far as uh, the revenue uh, model that Red, Door, uh, col- Red Doors collects, uh, how does that work? On After uh, a property is onboarded to the Red Doors platform, do you just take a percentage there of then of uh, fe- all future bookings? Yes, that could be one of the options. But basically, it's like a like a revenue share option uh, with the property and this kind of split. Um, there could also be like a, a base revenue, uh, which is kind of uh, uh, beyond which Red Door starts making money. And, and before that, right. we don't make money. So there are various permutation combinations, but they're all geared up for scaling quickly. So, you know, the typical franchise model will be like, you know, $20,000 brand fee, $30,000 marketing fee, so on and so forth, um, and 4% GOP or, or GOP, 8% of room revenue, and that kind of stuff. So it's too complicated. We keep it simple. We tell the guy, listen, you're going to make X amount of money. That's our projection. And if you don't make anything till that amount of money, we don't make anything. But we once you test the threshold, you know, we keep a majority of that money and you keep a little bit of the uh, kind of profit share. And so what happens is that he's highly motivated uh, because he has literally nothing to lose. Uh, on Quickly onboard the property without getting into this huge discussion around, you know, pricing and all that. So we control the pricing. We control everything then beyond that. That's, uh, that's fantastic. And um, so uh, as far as uh, the user experience then now goes, you know, I'm, I'm looking at your website right now. Uh, you, you, you have mentioned you guys are at the core, you guys are a technology company. And so, um, you know, for, for the user experience, I suppose, uh, if you're a traveler and, you know, you just want to uh, find a room for the night or for a long stay, um, it's just just like any other of those uh, travel uh, websites. You can just uh, search, do a search for it, and you'll come up with selections. Uh, and and I'm assuming there's uh, like a social element with reviews that are w- associated with each pro- uh, property. Yeah. So um, <clears throat> I think you know I'm going to take a step back here. Mm-hmm. So uh, Indonesia, seventy percent of our customers would book on reddoors.com. Thirty would book through third-party affiliates, so on and so forth, travel agents, etc. 70% of book through reddoors.com. Out of the 70% of booking would come through reddoors.com, 80% of them would come through our Android app. So all our focus is on the Android app. That's the first part of it. 
Uh. Second part of it is 95% of the total business will come on the mobile. That means the balance 15% will come either through the mobile website, which is the majority, and 5% mm -hmm. of it will come through the iOS app, which is, uh, you know, emerging, but, you know, in, in, in Indonesia is Android uh, country. So right. that's the first part of it. So it looks like any other website, similar or app. However, with several differences, and if I want to take you through the nuances, one, <clears throat> based on your identity or your history, good history, you can pay at the property without any credit card. So in Indonesia, 12% of the people have credit cards. <clears throat> A lot of the other people use bank transfers, ATM transfers, and uh, similar stuff to, um, you know, make the payments, but it is an irritant. Because we own the inventory, we said if a good person is by and large likely to show up, why are we going to put, you know, these irritants in a system? If you have a good track right. record, you can just go ahead and book and pay at the property, no question asked. Uh, if you do not, and, and, and then we have a loyalty program called Red Cash. One in two of our customers use Red Cash in any given booking and in any given day. The rest of them keep it for the future. So... If you become a no-show, then not only do you use, lose your red cash, but you also uh, cannot make a paired hotel booking till you've made a couple of pay-now bookings. Oh, I see. So we've gone to that level. <clears throat> and the other uh, thing is, a lot of our customers, like 72%, in the last 72 hours, you know, about 85% of the bookings will happen. It's very, very, very last minute, you know. It's many emerging markets are, but Indonesia is also one of them. So if I have four or five properties in one square kilometer, and if I have all my bookings coming in the last 72 hours, <clears throat> and my starting price is, is $9.90, we advertise as $9.90, you know, like Jetstar or AirAsia does, then I have to make sure that my last four rooms are selling at $39.90, right? So we right. have a machine learning or a self-learning AI algorithm which prices the properties, all four of them, relative to each other's occupancy and make sure that the prices keep going up to the level that it is gives the maximum yield to all four properties. Wow. And the one of the most interesting insights we found is that most booking engine site would close reservations for the same night at 12 midnight. But we would have like 30, 40 rooms, customers wanting to book past midnight. So we then allowed them to book till 4 a.m. for the same night. And, and so we kept going deeper and deeper in our series, in our analysis to figure out how, what is the use case which you want to solve. So if you, if you are 150 meters from our property and you have our app, so we've kind of geofenced you, our property will know that you are reaching our property in, in two minutes that uh, Mr. J is, is two minutes away or five minutes away. The property can never say that, oh, Mr. J never came to our property and, and, and pocket the cash. And, and so, you know, these are the kind of small, small stuff which we've done, which we, which we did in the early days to kind of nail down the use cases uh, so that when we start expanding into the region and to the other places, you know, we have a business model which is like well-oiled. We understand exactly what happened. So everything, and this whole, from the pricing to SAP implementation, which is the banking, so the banking uh, financial software, is a fully automated process. No human intervention. Wow. 
That's incredible. Wow. So I'm, I'm, I'm learning a whole lot here right now about Indonesia specifically. Um, you mentioned uh, three separate things that, that really caught my attention. The first, of, first was the, the fact that uh, the majority of people are Android users. Um, and so this is something that is very uh, country-specific, region-specific. Um, and obviously, you, can't, you need to do some pretty deep research, which it sounds like uh, you have been doing. Uh, the second thing that uh, was interesting to me was the, the credit card uh, and payment uh, setup that you have. So, you, so a very low percentage of people actually book online with credit cards. And then I really like the way that you have almost a, uh, a reward system um, or an incentive system that if, if say, you no-show, then you get penalized by having to book having to pay at time of booking for your next two or three bookings. So I think that's very clever. Um, and then, you know, finally sort of, um, I think the, the last thing is, is basically, uh, again, like you said, uh, every country is very, very nuanced, um, in, in how the customer, uh, you know, basically executes or, or uses your service and um, so something as simple as your, your check-in time or checkout time and that sort of thing. Um, it, it makes perfect sense that you, it needs to be sort of country specific uh, based on the demographic and how the, the pattern, you know, the, basically the, the, the human patterns of that country are. And I think it's fascinating because I think that a lot of uh, sort of, um, you know, companies that are trying to expand global, globally and they, they try to take one model that worked in one country that, you know, usually it's a Western country and they think that they could just replicate that. But obviously, as you just explained, it's extremely nuanced. So um, I'm fascinated uh, and it sounds like you guys have done a lot of deep analysis and deep uh, work in Indonesia and it's been very, very successful for you. So uh, congratulations on that. Um, I also read that you uh, ha- have recently raised a little bit more money um, and you had you did your A round and so you're kind of in between A and B. Um, what are your plans for that? What's your expansion plans? I mean, it sounds like you have Indonesia pretty much uh, on lockdown and figured out. Where else are you guys thinking about expanding to? Yeah, so I think uh, uh, Philippines, where we already are, Singapore is the next country, where we also double down and you know, increase a lot of our inventory. Um, and um, if, you, if you've uh, probably noticed in this uh, round of funding, uh, we 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 um, ha- we also raise money from some very seasoned investors who got uh, deep understanding of the China market, and um, mm. so FNH is is one of them. Uh, they were early stage investors um, in the China Lodging Group. I think they were the angel investors there. Um, our current investors, <clears throat> uh, one of our current investors was an angel investors in um, in the in the Orange Hotel Group, which also got acquired recently. Um, right. And um, and Hendale, which is out of Hong Kong, uh, uh, was another of our investors last in the last round. So the basic idea for us was to try and get as much expertise, uh, which is cross-country, cross-functional, and also emerging markets, but all which has scaled up to the level of China to kind of uh, raise, you know continue and fuel our growth. So, so current expansion plans for this year continue to be these three countries, um, but you never know. You know, we are we are fairly opportunistic by nature, um, and then and we've been also called scrappy uh, by a few folks. So we 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 can uh, anything can happen, but um, the plans are 
to to double down on these three markets um, and and to continue to focus uh, to kind of dominate uh, or at least uh, be in the, the pole position in each of these markets. Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, the fact that you're focusing on Indonesia, Singapore and Philippines, you know, there, you've obviously done, again, extensive research there and, and see the opportunities and the growth there. Um, what, what do you see as, as sort of the five, 10 year uh, picture in, in Southeast Asia, specifically to sort of the industry and the sector that you're, you're in right now? So sorry, are you saying the five-year picture? Uh, yeah, I mean, five-year picture, five to ten-year picture in sort of the travel, uh, you know, leisure space. Um, are there any uh, big trends that you see that um, is, are just jumping out at you uh, that you're trying to sort of sort of get that pole positioning for? Yeah, yeah. So, so a couple of things, right? A when you are very very focused on the domestic traveler. In an emerging market, so your typical emerging domestic traveler is young. Is uh, he or she is between twenty four and thirty years old, mm. um, and has a propensity to travel a lot because you know these are not the people who will save for um, their their sixties. They want to travel. They want to backpack. They want to see the world. Um, in a city like Jakarta, when there's a traf- when there's it rains a lot and there's a traffic jam, there's a spike in occupancy. So that means that people do, uh, you know, value their comfort over money and they would rather stay and go back to office the next day rather than, you know, get stuck in a traffic jam of three or four hours. Right. So what we've also noticed that these customers and, you know, um, we've, we've been reading about this in, in several uh, similarish kind of models which have happened in, in a few countries, including China, that these customers do uh, get wealthy over a period of time. And the brand has to continue to cater to uh, to their uh, aspirations as they grow uh, older and wealthier in their in their journey. So I think what the way we look at it is there's a, there's a large domestic travel market. So 92% of our customers are domestic, um, and when they continue to um, to 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 become more successful in their careers, uh, we will be offering them products which are. Uh, which are commensurate with their status, and I think the, the other thing which we which we find very very fascinating is that um, they are extremely social. Um, therefore, a social um, uh, social engagement with them has to be absolutely phenomenal. Just to give quote a couple of numbers, you know, I was meeting with the Facebook uh, Southeast Asia head and the travel team today. In in Philippines, social media consumption is four and a half hours a day, and we, in in Indonesia, an average person, average, uh, opens Instagram twenty eight times a day. So so oh. so these are like 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 mind blowing trends, right? It kind of reinforces the fact that we have to be local and social, and we have to be an intersection, um, and 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 keep up with the trends of what the what the what the local folks are folks are doing. So um, travel market is is uh, absolutely. Uh, uh, exploding in the region, uh, the the youngsters are traveling more and more. Uh, it is it is uh, one of the fastest growing markets worldwide. Um, in fact, Indonesia hotel market is almost as big as the India hotel market, and nobody really knows this with right research. Wow. Uh, and and I think the it's 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 a great opportunity. It's undercapitalized, but things are changing rapidly in that. Uh, 
that sphere a lot of chinese investment coming into the region um so i think it's it's, it's going to be good uh, if there's no macro issues you know which happen uh, all these countries are growing steadily quarter on quarter for the last several quarters i mean you've seen indonesia's growth in and philippines growth um i think the future is quite bright absolutely i i 100% agree with you i mean and it's not just because i'm also based in asia i'm sitting in hong kong but you know i mean just looking uh from sort of a top down perspective you know asia em uh particularly just looks um like it has a long runway ahead of it so i think you're well positioned uh in in a very good uh space to to capture a lot of this growth so um we're definitely going to be looking forward to seeing your progress uh amit thank you so much for your time uh it was such a pleasure uh catching up with you and learning a lot about your business uh and about indonesia and how things in southeast asia work so thank you again um what is the best place that our listeners can uh find you or follow you or connect with you i'm not sure if you're on social media personally or or anything like that but uh, if they want to learn a little bit more about what you do yeah so you know uh, i we uh, the company is on social media uh, everywhere um i'm personally on both twitter uh, and uh, and um, uh, on linkedin uh, uh my my handle is amit sabarwal that's my full name um and yeah i'm 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 always available there Fantastic. Well, we wish you the best of luck, Amit. And uh, again, we're looking forward to, uh, to to following your your company and your story closely to see uh, your success in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Jay, for your time too. And maybe see you soon sometime at the Red. Absolutely. Take care. Bye bye. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. All the show notes and links can be found over at jkimshow.com. Come back often and make sure you subscribe, rate, and review. Don't forget to join us next week for another exciting episode of The J. Kim Show. I'd love to hear your comments. You can find me on Twitter at jkimmer, J-A-Y-K-I-M-M-E-R. See you guys next week. This podcast is brought to you by Hack Your Fitness, the high achiever's guide to getting ripped in under three hours a week. If you're anything like me, you're probably working a full-time job or jobs and trying to find time to balance family life, social life, and last but not least, fitness. Look, I get it. I'm a full-time investor and entrepreneur myself and father of two. So how am I able to stay fit year-round without spending hours and hours in the gym killing myself on the cardio machine? After struggling for the last 15 years trying every workout and diet under the sun, I finally designed a system that allows me to achieve and maintain single-digit body fat for life in under 3 hours a week. Cardio not required. Head on over to hackyour.fitness and download my free 13-page guide that teaches you the simple science behind efficient fitness and smart nutrition and gives you everything you need to know to finally take control of your life. That's hackyour.fitness.